Welcome to the podcast, Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where I connect authors with their readers. We also talk all about the author's inspiration, their journey to publication, and the authors will educate me and you, the listener, all about the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter, also known as The Author's Librarian. This episode is proudly sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is where I host my two websites for my authoring, book writing, and for my online courses. It's a powerful and easy um, to use website hosting and website creating program. No program skills are needed, trust me, and it's way easier than WordPress. If you wish to take your current website to a new hosting place um, and save yourself some time and resources, or you want to create a whole new website for your books, online courses, podcasts, or whatever you're trying to sell, then I totally encourage you to try out Squarespace. Go to my show notes for this episode and you can get a very special offer just from Squarespace um, for a free trial um, subscription for your web hosting. Now on to the show. So hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to Linda Edelson. I knew I was going to mess it up, Linda, but would you tell me what your last name is for the listeners? My name is Linda Edelson. Edelson. See, I do it all the time. I'm going to skip one of those letters. (laughs) Well, Linda, thank you for being here on the podcast. I totally appreciate it. And um, why don't we just get jump right in and get to know you a little bit. So first, Linda, where do you live in the Northwest? Well, first, I want to thank you for this privilege of sharing with the audience. And uh, I live in Longview, Washington, but I grew up in uh, Portland, Oregon. And I'll be talking about that a little bit because my book um, is about growing up in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) It starts out that way. Oh, that's so fantastic. So everybody that listens, I don't tell a lot of people where I actually live. I say I'm in Washington, but Linda is in my neck of the woods in my town. And Linda, we probably have met. I'm not sure if we if it connected with me, if we've met or not. <laughs> well, I've met you not only through Zoom, I think. I, yeah. I, I um, uh, watched when you interviewed Alan Rose and his latest book. Yeah. So for my listeners that don't know about this, um, we have this really wonderful writing group in my community called WordFest. And the um, creator and my very good friend I love to death, Alan Rose, is a brilliant author. And he started WordFest years ago before I was even in the writing world. Um, But when COVID hit, I talked him into doing his WordFest group online with Zoom. And it was a whole lot of fun, a lot of challenges, (laughs) but we made it. And so that's what Linda's referring to is the WordFest productions that we put together. So thanks for mentioning those, Linda. Those are a lot of fun. (laughs) So Linda, tell us a little bit about your background. Have you always been an author? Did you have a job prior to that? Are you retired? And now you're writing. Kind of fill in that little bit piece for us. Well, I think I've always been an author because when I was young, I kept diaries extensively. And I also um, wrote long letters. And if I wrote a letter to someone, I would rewrite it, you know, and try to make it perfect. And so I've always had this desire to to write. And I remember going into the uh, Multnomah County Library in Portland, Oregon, thinking that someday I would have a book on the shelf. 
Only then my name was Linda Rose, which would have been a lot easier last name. <laughs> oh, that would have been an easier one for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm that, that was my dream to have a book published as a very young age. It took me many years to get a book published, but um, I'm thankful that I have published. And so I think my writing has always been my desire. I love that. That's such a great story, Linda, for me, because I started this whole writing journey. I feel like late in life, um, it wasn't even till three or four years ago that I told anybody I was writing. My husband knew, but nobody else did. And then I made the mistake of um, being introduced to a writer's group, and then it just fast-tracked from there. (laughs) You know how that goes, right? (laughs) So um, tell us a little bit of what kind of writing you do. Do you have a specific genre you work in? Do you write for different types of genres? Or or give us a little bit of information about that process. Well, um, saying that I uh, do a lot of writing, I I have written personal uh, stories of booklets that I've put together and shared with my family. And that includes um, trip travel. You know, if I go on a trip, then I take a lot of photos and I I keep a diary when I'm on the trip. And then I come back, I put a whole booklet together and give it to whoever I went to see or traveled with me. And then I share those booklets with my family. I've also done um, diaries, you know, like I mentioned, and I've retyped some of those diaries too. Hopefully some great, great grandchildren will appreciate knowing what it was like to grow up in the fifties and the sixties. Oh, I bet there will be. (laughs) (laughs) But the only book that I published for the public, you know, to read is uh, the book titled my three friends. Mm -hmm. And that's about friendships that I've had for since, well, Two of the friends I knew since I was five years old and the third friend in the book I met when we were in sixth grade and we're still very close friends. And the reason I got the idea of uh, actually doing a book about the subject was I saw in the newspaper, the Daily News in Longview, they had a story about four women that had been friends for years since they were very young. And I thought, well, if this is newsworthy, you know, we're being published <laughs> in the newspaper. I could write a story about that subject. And so that's got me started. And one of the friends in the book named Patsy, um, she did a great deal of traveling. And we exchanged letters over the years when we were young, like out in college years. And her mother has saved all of the letters I had written to Patsy. And I had saved many letters that Patsy had written to me. So when I started the book, I thought this would just be a book about Patsy and I. But then I realized I had two other friends that I've been very close to since I was really young. And that was Marilyn and Nancy. And I included them on my book, too. So it became the title became My Three Friends. <laughs> oh, Linda, that is such a beautiful concept of a book. And, and as you're talking about it, I'm thinking in my head that does exist because I always wondered, I I have some good friends, but I haven't um, remained super close with them throughout us growing up. And I always wondered what it would be like to share girlfriend relationship throughout all the stages of growing up in life and then being a, a mother, wife, all those things. Now I'm going to be a grandmother. It'd like be nice to share that with somebody else <laughs> that has known me forever. So that is a wonderful concept. And here's the thing that I absolutely adore. So any of my listeners will know what I'm picking up on that you're writing it from, um, I'm a librarian. So the idea that you're writing from your own journals and first accounts of letters between you and your girlfriends 
is like a gold mine for a librarian and an author. So bravo, that's really wonderful. <laughs> and the fact that somebody kept those letters is just so great. So, so very, very great. Um, what be, besides the Daily News article, what inspired you? Or And, and here's a, it's a twofold question. What inspired you? Because you kind of talked about that. Was there anything else that inspired you for this book? And did you have to alter anything, add a little fiction here and there to preserve the relationships? <laughs> well, in all honesty, uh, this book is um, tells maybe like tells it all. It tells Ooh, even, even some better private, <laughs> some private things that uh, I had to ask my friends if this was okay. And I did give them the complete manuscript before I had it officially published. So they all read it. And I was really concerned about one of my friends because um, in the book, when you read it, uh, I actually dated her husband before she you know, dated this person. And so I was concerned about that part of it. Also, um, this one particular friend, which is Marilyn, um, her and I had times when uh, we were not getting along perfectly, you know, some arguments. I even have one chapter titled The Argument. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure that everything was okay with her. So I handed her the manuscript and then I waited two or three days, you know. To get oh, I bet you're nail biting on that one. <laughs> and it wasn't only answer from her, it was also an answer from her husband, you know, because I had him in the mentioned in the story too. Well, after two or three days, she called me and she talked about everything else except for the manuscript. And then finally, at the end of the conversation, she said, oh, by the way, uh, Norm and I agree that, you know, you can publish the book. So <laughs> She was that. making you pay, man. Yeah. That was a long <laughs> conversation. Could you start out with that, please? <laughs> so I was I was very relieved that That's uh, the book is already finished, practically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing worse than um, the idea that you'd have to do a rewrite, right? right. That. <laughs> That's such a great story. And I'm glad that that you have that to share with us because I, I have a lot of um, people that are in different processes of their writing journey listening to the podcast. And I think it's so important for individuals to hear, you know, how you approached that process of sharing a, your story that is intertwined with still living individual stories and um, the respect about, you know, offering that manuscript up. I personally don't have the guts to do that. I can't write about personal stuff because I'm terrified of getting somebody calling me up and saying that wasn't how it was. <laughs> so I don't have the guts to do it. I stay in fiction. <laughs> so bravo to you, Linda. So, um, so you kept your journals. What was the process from the journals and the letters to the manuscript? How did that um, go for you? Well, I was able to, you know, think of a lot of story incidences that we had joined, you know, shared together. So I just started with the story right to begin with, um, one where Marilyn and I are actually trying to, uh, you know, make these tin can telephones where you can string <laughs> at one can, one telephone to another house across the neighborhood and hopefully <laughs> hear each other. So we were making our own private uh, telephones. And that's the first story that I started with. And at that time, we were in third grade at, at Saban School in Portland, Oregon. And we got this wonderful idea from the science teacher that we could uh, make our own telephones. So we spent the whole day doing that. 
And then how, how it ends is kind of a part of the story. But uh, I just started there and kind of went on from there and, and then it. included all the uh, my other friends and how we met and how what happened. So it kind of goes in chronological order. But I'll tell you something else in this book besides just the chronological order is I would hear things about that incident or other incidents in the book from my friends. And sometimes it would be things that happened years later. Oh. And so I ended up with post notes in this book because, for example, I have one friend, Patsy, who uh, decided to join the Peace Corps. And I asked her, you know, when I was writing the book, how did you feel about that decision? You know, what, how do you feel now, years later, as to what happened during that decision time? And so she was able to give me her insights, you know, how she felt not only then, but how she feels now, years later. Oh, so the book, really book has uh, post notes. Um, one, one of my friends, Nancy, in the book was a missionary in Peru. And I did a little research on where she was and who she was with in Peru. And she was in an area where they have lost their language there. And the whole native village is, uh, there's only one or two people living there speak that language. And she was part of a linguistic group that was actually studying that language at that time in Peru. So uh, the fact that she was part of that, and now I see on you know the internet that this language doesn't even exist anymore. So what they have is from maybe the studies that she did. So I, you know, I was really excited to add post notes. And I, I've been a teacher for years, so I also included discussion questions. This book has been used for reading groups. And it's been exciting to go to some of these groups and hear their uh, responses on from the book. Oh, I love it. And I love it as a reader. I love discussion questions. It's just the education, education or edu educator. Sorry, guys, it's been a long day <laughs> in me. I can't help myself. You know, when I, when I when I get a book that has those discussion questions, I'm like, okay, this is definitely a book I'm going to read. If they're taking the time to share with us questions that make me want to think about what's happening in the story, I'm, I want to read this book. <laughs> this is great. So that's so wonderful. So you wrote your manuscript. Um, and are you traditional or self-published with the book? Well, I took you know, I took care to take some options. Of course, it took me a long time to write this book. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so once I got the idea, and then eight years later, I finally finished this book. So I was anxious to get it published. But I did attend Emmett Writers Conference, yeah. and I did mm -hmm. pay to have, you know, publishers actually look at the manuscript or talk mm -hmm. to me about the book. Mm -hmm. And um, I paid for three publishers to, you know, to interview me about the book. One publisher was very interested and wanted me to send more information online, which I did do. But then I wasn't hearing back from them. <laughs> so I, um, Karen Bonatti was a publisher that was working with uh, Sandra, with the, um, and I always have trouble pronouncing her last name, but uh, Bucaster's uh, art studio. And so they were, they worked together and we, um, published the book <laughs> and I, oh, nice. I, was, I was very pleased with uh, their work with me and and um, I had a cover idea that um, Sandra came out with a beautiful cover for me 
and I was just real excited about it. I'm, I'm glad that I self-published and I'm yeah. glad for the final result. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. So I um, started this journey of the podcast because I wanted to know more about the publishing industry and I wanted to learn from authors and what they chose to do. And um, along the way, I, I did write a book as well and it came out this last spring. I decided to self-publish it. And um, then I learned, taught myself everything about self-publishing from the cover art to the formatting to everything, <laughs> the marketing, all of it. It's quite a job. But I totally appreciate the self-publishing aspect because it's a lot of work and you have to develop your own team around it. You can't, I don't, I didn't do it all myself. I had to find people to help me for sure. <laughs> you know, I had to find people that could edit and find people that were good readers that would be good beta reader for me and things like that. So did you have that similar experience? Did you have um, an editor go through the book for you as well? Uh, yes, I did. Um, she's she's a gal that is um, published herself and, and won awards for her writing. But uh, she, she liked my book really well because I was in a writer's group and she was hearing some of my stories. And she told me that she would do editing for me but she didn't want me to tell other people about her being an editor. Oh yeah. She would get flooded. <laughs> I'm sure. You don't have a professional job as an editor, but, but she did an excellent job. So I was very happy with that. Good. And, um, and I have um, actually one of my friends, Patsy is editing my book, but I'm writing another book right now too. Oh, about my father who um, rode the trains during the depression years. Oh, interesting. And he told his stories on tape. So I am, I've transcribed the tapes, but now I'm in a, the process of doing a novel about his stories. So, Oh, that's right up my alley. I'm very, very interested in that. I'm currently working on two books. One is around our area's time of the planned city when it was, was developed in the early 20s. My husband and I happened to live in one of the first homes um, here on, in Sacagawea in the area. And I've been inspired for years growing up here. I wanted to know what it was like to live here during that time when they were doing the planned city and, you know, building Longview and all of that. And my area right now of interest is the trains coming from Kansas City this way to the Pacific. You know, how people may have came from Kansas City area where Ari Long originated from and his family and all of his, you know, the individuals that he brought a lot of people from there to here to the Pacific Northwest to do work. And so that's where I'm stuck with right now is the research on that. So your dad's story is very interesting to me. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> you got to get it out. <laughs> that's what everyone says. And I can't wait either. <laughs> yeah. Did, do you have any photographs? Also, did he did you get photographs during that time? I don't have a lot of photographs. I have a couple pictures of my father, you know, when he was young, but I do not mm -hmm. have photographs. Of he, he did not have and, a camera with them. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that it was a, it, not everybody did right during that time. It was a rare, rare occasion. So unlike today, everybody has a camera on their phones, so you don't miss a beat there. So Linda, you talked about a couple of things I want to pick up on is that um, I like to mention the process of being a writer can be awfully lonely, lonely. And I always encourage people to get into a writer's group or be a part of an association or go to you know, writers 
conventions. And you mentioned the Willamette Writers Convention, which most of my listeners have already heard, even if they're not from the Pacific Northwest, because I interview a lot of authors from the Pacific Northwest, and we know about that. But talk about your experience with a writers group, because I know you mentioned you are in one, and you're so that's how you found you know the great editor. There's a friend that doesn't want to be an editor. I hear that. <laughs> so talk to me about that experience. Um, how did you get started there? And what? how much did they follow through with you on that process of that manuscript? Well, I was in another writer's group, too, for 10 years. Wow. And um, this was a group of just, uh, it was just ladies in this group. And we met at a church. And were we able to use the church every month or whatever we met? And for me, having a writer's group was a deadline. You know, I had to have something written when I went to the writer's group. So, and that, that, and I was decided then that I was working on my book. And so every time I went, I had a new chapter ready for them. And we were a memoir group. So we pretty much were all were writing memoirs at that time. And that group went on for 10 years. I think it only kind of broke up during the 2020s. So, um, then I joined um, Alan's group because I heard about it and it was all on Zoom. So, which, you know, I wasn't used to doing, but I joined that group. And it has been exciting. My first group, I think it was more just um, sharing a great deal and, and maybe not so much of, um, you know, correcting or editing with each other's work. With Alan's group, we do some editing and correcting with each other. Um, just, you know, giving suggestions of how to maybe reword something or how to change something. Uh, they'll point out if we're missing some commas someplace. So it, is, it can be very helpful that way too. But the other group was very supportive and just encouraging us to keep writing and to carry on with our work. Yeah. Don't you feel like we need both aspects in a writer's group? I feel like um, if we didn't have the encouragement to keep writing, we may not write the next chapter for that deadline, right? right? But then if we're writing and everybody's like, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great, but not helping us find our errors, that's not helpful right. either. I like the combination of the two, but it took me a while to get comfortable with that. <laughs> and so I'm in a good writer's group as well, and they, they are the same way. And I talk about with authors all the time, there are a few authors that I know that do not um, participate in writer's group because they've had bad experiences, and I get that. Um, and I'm like, but I've been fortunate that my experiences have been very positive. Um, so it sounds like you've had very positive experiences. I did. Well. I had a lot of support. That's wonderful. Well, let's do this. We covered all the topics that I think I generally like to talk about. Um, so I'm going to sit back and listen, and I'm ready for you to share with um, the listeners you're reading. So Linda, whatever you need to share as far as the back part of the story before you read, whatever, you're welcome to do it. I'm going to go quiet and listen just like everybody else. Okay. Well, the chapter I chose was the storm. And last night I was down in Seaside, Oregon, where we had a storm. <laughs> so I, I started thinking about that. Um, there's only one section here where I talk about my friend Marilyn. My friend Marilyn did have a, a terrible accident at the age of 15. And so that's kind of just mentioned here in this chapter. But it's called the storm. Common sense told us we should go straight home, but our youthful daring spirits whispered keep going we thought the storm wasn't too bad we figured the wind would probably quiet down shortly never before had we experienced such a storm 
For us, it was more exciting than fearful. I might mention here that we are three young teenage girls at this time. We were in Marilyn's parents' 1957 Ford station wagon, and she was driving. It had been over a year since her bad accident, and now she was comfortable with her artificial leg. She used only her right leg and foot for the gas and brake pedal. She had no problem operating the vehicle. Matter of fact, out of the three of us, she was the most experienced driver. Once she got her driver's license, she drove to school every day. Driving was more common for her than Nancy and me. Nancy, who lived with her mom only, was allowed to drive when her mom wasn't using the car. And my chances to drive happened when my dad gave me permission to use his car. Marilyn's dad also had a delivery truck and her mother didn't drive. So Marilyn used the car often. This afternoon, we met after school to go shopping. Our goal was to go to the open shopping mall Lloyd Center in Northeast Portland. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a goal and we usually completed our goals. I wanted to buy a pair of shoes. Marilyn wanted to apply for a job at Learners and Nancy just liked shopping in general. They left Grant High School and came to my house. I was living on Southeast Stark Street. It was a typical windy fall day. It was Columbus Day, October 12, 1962. It was 4 p.m. The Kissin' radio station music was blaring Bill Haley in the comments and singing Rock Around the Clock. As we headed to Lloyd Center, Marilyn and I were singing the words and swaying to the music. Marilyn stopped her swaying because she became more conscious of her driving. We noticed several traffic signals that were not working. She decided to go down a side street to avoid the intersections that didn't have working lights. We drove on 28th Street. The trees were swaying, branches were breaking. We saw one big branch fall just a few feet in front of us with a loud thud. Maybe driving down these side streets isn't such a good idea, I tried to casually suggest to Marilyn. Telling Marilyn what to do didn't always work, but this time Nancy agreed with me. Yeah, Marilyn, Nancy warned, there are too many trees. Let's head back to 33rd Street. Marilyn agreed with us. She maneuvered the car around the branches and headed for 33rd Street. Marilyn was used to obstacles in her young life, and she acted like this windstorm was a minor concern. The song ended, and the radio announcer just made one simple comment. Rather windy outside, and we've got some word that traffic lights are out, so beware, folks. Now here is Elvis singing Peace in the Valley. It was rather an odd song to be hearing during the midst of a storm, but we didn't feel like it was a warning. We just continued our drive to Lloyd Center. Marilyn parked her car in one of the upper lots. Several people were quickly leaving Lloyd Center, we felt the gust of wind push against our bodies as we got out of the car. Marilyn was not firm on her feet, so I stood on one side and Nancy stood on the other. And with the wind pressing at our backs and our hair blowing in disarray and our jackets flapping, we slowly walked to the first nearby building. We got in and discovered that we were at Newberry's lunch counter. We felt so successful, we made it inside safely that we decided to stay and sit at the counter. The waiter came over and told us we could not sit by the counter 
because one of the glass plate windows had already blown out. And he suggested we sit in one of the side booths. And then we noticed a piece of plywood over the place where the glass is shattered. Wow, this storm was worse than we thought. We didn't want to leave the view of the window where we could see the trees swaying and debris blowing down the street. However, we did as we were told and went to the booth area. I thought I was hungry, but I was also nervous. Instead of ordering my usual hamburger and milkshake, I decided just to get a chocolate milkshake. I thought we should hurry and get our errands done and get home before dark. And then I remembered that my home for me was across town and home for Marilyn Nancy was closer. Maybe having Marilyn drive me all the way home in the storm was not a good idea. The restaurant was not quiet and we could hear the sound of the wind howling so loud it sounded like thunder. A few customers were there talking about the storm. Isn't this rather unusual for Portland? Yes, it is, especially around this time of year. Well, it's bound to let up soon, so we're just going to wait it out. I wonder how fast this wind is blowing. Please, folks, don't sit near the plate glass window. The comments continued all the time we were eating, and we didn't know what the latest news was about the storm. There wasn't a radio or a television set in the restaurant. As the storm continued, we drank our milkshakes, and we concluded that we had better skip our shopping goals and head for home. Well, I'll just stop there. <laughs> I know the storm because living in the Pacific Northwest in this region, we know about this storm. It was a very horrible Columbus Day storm, if I remember right. Am I correct? Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, devastating storm. So I'm glad you wrote about it. And Linda, have you heard, my husband just told me he works in Portland in construction. And he just heard, I think, on uh, the broadcasting, Oregon Broadcasting, they're going to be tearing down the Lloyd Center. Oh, no, I did not hear that. Isn't that just devastating? For us that like grew up and loved going to the Lloyd Center, that's just a sad thing. Yeah, they're going to be tearing it down. So I thought that the minute you said that. Well, in this book, I even have a chapter, earlier chapter, about where Patsy and I wander around town, I mean, in Portland by ourselves at the age of 10. And we're wandering all around downtown and and including the Lloyd Center. But it wasn't the Lloyd Center then. It was only fields of grass. So oh, in this book, there's oh. a chapter about walking all the way from Northeast Portland through the Loison. I mean, what is the Loison Center now? Yeah, but yeah. only grass, grassy area. And we go all the way down to downtown Portland to the Skidmore Fountain. Oh, my goodness. Um, are all the ladies still in the area? Because you guys should take that. Get over there and see the Loison Center before it's all gone. Take a picture in front of it. <laughs> yeah. The Skidmore Fountain is still there. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the whole news is about. He just told me that, and I was just very sad. I oh. had friends in Portland growing up here in Longview. I'd go visit my girlfriend in Portland, and we would, you know, do similar shopping. But this was like in the eighties, <laughs> you know. And so, um, but yeah. So, what a wonderful story! And I vividly feel like I knew where you were going. You know, and I'm thinking about you guys running around Portland at the age of 10. You can't let kids run around now in Portland. (laughs) It's not the same city by any means. (laughs) I might uh, add something here about the research on this book. You know, I mean, on the Columbus Day storm. Yes, yes. Um, 
I was able, you know, first I, I was naming radio stations and then I did some research and found out which stations, you know, were still on the air and which ones mm -hmm. were static. And I was able to get the exact words that they said and it's included in this chapter, but I was able to get the exact words that they were broadcasting on the radio, which was really exciting to find, you know, that I could do that and put the exact words in the chapter. Oh, I also found out when I talked about post notes, my brother talked to me about it more, you know, when I told him that I was writing this story. And he said that, well, as the story continues, my parents were all the way in Beaverton, Oregon, when the storm started, and my dad was picking up my mother. And my dad was one of the last people to be on the Morrison Bridge. Matter of fact, that they weren't going to let him cross the bridge that night. And he was so concerned about me because he knew I was out and about that he insisted, or I don't know, you know, persuaded the guy <laughs> to let him cross the bridge. And so my brother said they were the last car to cross the Morrison Bridge that night, just because, you know, he told the man that he had to find his daughter, I guess. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. So any of my listeners that don't know what we're talking about, because you're listening, not from the Pacific Northwest area or region, look it up. It was a tremendous storm, something that was unheard of. For our area. And I even think years ago on my podcast, I had one of, um, I have to go back and look. So listeners, if I remember right, I had a um, journalist who wrote all about the storm and he wrote a book about it. Um, and I did bring him on early on in my podcast. So if that's true, and I'm telling the truth, I'll make sure that's in show notes. So you guys can be linked to his book as well. So Linda, let's close out the podcast and let me ask you this. How do my listeners find your book? Do you have a website? Um, is it in a bookstore somewhere? How, how does that happen for them? Well, I guess this is part of the problem of self-publishing is that, yes. you know, <laughs> some libraries won't even, you know, take your books, but some libraries do. And I guess they do it is in some <laughs> yeah. libraries. Yeah. But um, it is on Amazon. I kind of sent you that link yeah. on <laughs> Amazon and also Barnes and Noble for eBooks. So it's available that way. But the best way to get a copy where you don't even have to pay a sales tax is to um, order it from me. Oh, <laughs> and, order from and, you. Okay. Yeah. And my website is Pearls. And Pearl was my mother's name. So if oh. you just think of the name Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. And then I added an S at the end. So it's Pearls and then the numeral six at Comcast.net. Okay. Okay, and I'll make sure all of that information is the show in the show notes, listeners, so that you can connect with Linda yourself, um, or you can get a hold of her book if you wish. And so, Linda, thank you so much for being here on the show. It's, it's a delight to meet you on Zoom, and I do I can't wait till we're out of this mess of the whole distancing because I'm sure we will meet at least once or twice once WordFest is back up and running live. Right. <laughs> so, thank you for being here. I totally appreciate it. Well, thank you. I've appreciated listening to some of your other podcasts. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you jump on the show notes and find the author, buy their books, write a review. And most importantly, you can find out more about me and my projects at one of my two websites, www.squishpin.com or theauthorslibrarian.com. And until next time, this is Vicki J. Carter, the Author's Librarian, signing off.